even the Biden administration before this year, by the way, they're saying, oh, no, that's not the measure. Two successive quarters with GDP contraction. That's just an estimate. It's not factual. you got to look at the whole totality of everything. Well, what about you and me looking at the totality of economics in our personal lives, our businesses? Look around us. Look at everything that we go by. I'm talking about not just concrete things that you put your hands on that are on the grocery store shelf. I'm talking about buying the services of others. Have you gotten your air conditioner service this year? If you did, you paid way more than you did a year ago to get the same service done. What about simple things like doing your lawn, somebody cleaning your home, somebody babysitting? Everything has gone, everything has gone up in cost. And then there's the shortages of all the things that we use every day. I did a run to Kroger yesterday for my wife, Marianne, who was out. We had some things that we needed to get. I got, let me tell you what I got, just a short summary. I got four baking potatoes. You know what I'm talking about. A little bit bigger, but not monsters. Four baking potatoes. I got one container of butter. Let's see what else I got. I got eight apples. I'm being exact here. Eight apples. I got four cans of chicken noodle soup. I got, Kroger has a a, um, a soft drink special that they run every other week or so. I got three 15 packs of my favorite soda, which is Diet Pepsi, three of them. And there's one other thing I got. What was it? One other thing. One other thing. Oh, Triscuits. Marianne's favorite treat. You put all that together. Does that sound like it's extreme? You know what the bill was? $97.42. I almost croaked. Those Diet Pepsis were on sale. Three of those 15 packs for $12. The cost of everything is up. The availability of everything is down. Our shortage in our distribution system that they thumbed their noses at and said, it's no big deal. We worked this out. In fact, Jen Psaki, when she was White House press secretary, she said, oh my gosh, we started working on the supply chain issues even way before President Trump took his oath of office. Of course, they never gave us a plan. What their plan was that she said they'd initiated. And of course, whatever their plan was, it sure as heck didn't work. All of the day-to-day functional processes that initiate from the U.S. government have morphed into nothing less than chaos, which has driven the cost way up, which has driven the availability of all the things that we Americans need way down. And if and when you find it, you better get ready because you're going to pay out the nose for it. Biden's just 18 months or so into his four-year presidency. And every day you think it can't get worse, and every day, guess what? It gets worse. We're going to wade into this taxpayer student loan bailout that Donald Trump uh, introduced to the nation yesterday, the details of it. And we're going to go to several different sources for information about it. I'm doing that because I don't want you just to hear my opinion on this. I want you to hear from some people that know what the heck they're talking about. But basically what it is, 
He says there's going to be a two-tiered taxpayer student loan um, refund. That's not the right word. Cancellation, debt cancellation, which is really, you and I both know it's not a cancellation. Every dime that he says the people that signed up to pay for it, that they don't pay, you and I are going to pay it. The devil's in the details we hear. Well, why don't we just go get some um, some regular news source details from a network television station, but this is a local broadcast late yesterday explaining Biden's bailout. Today, President Biden laid out his plans to cancel tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt for millions of Americans. And here's how it'll work. Borrowers who make under $125,000 a year will have $10,000 of their federal student loans forgiven. Those who went to school with Pell Grants will get $20,000 of their debt forgiven. And the pause on student loans payments is extended for a final time through December 31st. The president believes this gives many Americans the opportunity to move forward to financial stability. All this means people can start, finally crawl out from under that mountain of debt to get on top of their rent and their utilities, to finally think about buying a home or starting a family or starting a business. Now, most people will need to prove their income to get their debt canceled. An application is expected to be available before the end of the year. Now, some Democrats say the move doesn't do enough to help Americans who are struggling with debt, and many Republicans criticize the loan forgiveness for being a handout that will just make inflation worse. I spoke with Dr. Sanjay Varshney, the chief economist of the Sacramento Business Review for a look at the bigger picture. Will this debt relief, will it impact the job market itself that we're currently seeing? Actually, uh, as an economist and as an educator, I find the decision to forgive debt at this point in time a little bit strange and puzzling. Um, this is the best job market of our lifetime. Uh, we have unemployment rate at less than 3.5% nationally. Uh, we have 5 million more jobs available in the market than the number of people to fill those jobs. If you talk to most employers, they mostly complain about not being able to find the labor because there's an acute labor shortage, or they have to pay substantially more to basically attract and retain labor. So in this kind of a market, you should ask the question, why are you forgiving student debt when these students who are graduating should be able to find jobs and be gainfully employed and be able to pay the bills. And what about the other side of the argument for people who say, I went to college, but I didn't get the job or I didn't get the high paying job that I was hoping to get, even though I paid all this money in student loans. What about the other side of the conversation? That is an excellent question. And actually that is a root of the problem, which nobody wants to talk about. The question that should be asked is what explains the education industry charging tuition that has gone up at more than 9% annualized over the last 30 years when inflation was only 2%. What explains the tuition bills rising higher and higher for the ordinary people in the United States? Um, when university presidents and administrations show a promise to students to lure them in saying, hey, by the way, get an education, come um, uh, invest in your future, uh, and many students do. They actually take out loans in many cases because they're not able to, to pay for the tuitions uh, from, from any savings they may have. So what explains why these university presidents are not being held accountable? Do you think it's going to be hard to get people to pay their student loans back after this forgiveness? 
I think so. I think there's a, this is a signal to people that if you're smart and you want to play the government and you want to play the economy, don't pay anything because the day is not too far that if, if they get lucky, uh, Congress may actually decide to forgive the whole thing because that's exactly what the argument has been. There's a lot of people, even in President Biden's own party, that are not happy with his decision because they expected everything to be forgiven, not just $10,000. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Anytime. Now, no surprise, this has gotten a huge reaction online and you've been making yourselves heard. Jimmy says that the president needs to fully commit and get rid of all student loans for people making under $125,000 a year. They also say if the president was to do this and fix the cost of prescription drugs. Darren asked if people who have already paid off their loans get a $10,000 check. He thinks that when a student signs onto their loans, they have an obligation to pay them off. And then finally, Debbie says that once again, responsible people will end up paying for those who made bad decisions and that she's tired of Democrats pandering for... This is no doubt. It is, especially at this particular time of the release of this, it is directed and pointed at getting votes, buying votes in the midterm elections. Now, Joe Biden's not up for election, but members of Congress, every member of the House of Representatives is... And they have, Democrats have a very, very slim margin in the House right now. That means House Speaker Nancy Pelosi runs everything in Congress. Everybody is at her behest. That's one problem with the structure of Congress that I really struggle with. The political partisanship is who decides who's in charge, rather than just having somebody that has proven to be bipartisan or nonpartisan in these particular leadership seats in both the House and the Senate. But that's a story for another day. This particular thing, the student debt thing, there are so many gross misrepresentations. Let's look at just the first one. Nobody, nobody that makes less than $125,000 a year or $250,000 a year is going to get the benefit of this. That's a bald-faced lie. That's a bald-faced lie. What are you talking about? According to the Biden Business Digest, 70% of the benefits are going to the top 60% of U.S. earners. And let me, let me repeat that. 70% of the benefits are going to the top 60% of U.S. earners. Now you do the math. How could that possibly be if, if he said, if they make more than, as a couple, $250,000, they're ineligible for this. Let me give you an example. This is about student debt, right? So that means people that are in college are the ones, or people that have been in college and have this student debt thing hanging over their heads, those people are eligible. Let me tell you about a bunch of those people. People that are in Ivy League schools, even prestigious state universities around the country. They're in graduate school. They're getting their doctorates. Those are people that typically have money, right? Their families do. Um, last time I looked, and it's, this may be outdated, 
but just tuition at Harvard University, just tuition alone is $130,000 a year. Who can do that? My nephew went to Yale, played football as a quarterback at Yale. Yale University doesn't give one dime of student loan stuff or scholarships or anything. If you go there, you pay the tab, period. Everybody, even people, they want to come there and they try to woo them in. The way they woo them in is, hey, you're going to be a Yaley, and that's supposed to be sufficient for you to pay a hundred grand a year for tuition and books and living, just basic living. These people have a lot of money, but very few of these people, very few of them are employed, actually employed. So what does that mean? That puts them in the category where they're eligible to have all of their student loan debt forgiven. Well, not all of it, $10,000. And that's going to change. You know it's going to change in the next few months, especially if the Democrats keep controlling in the House of Representatives after the midterms are over. 70% of the benefits are going to the top 60% of U.S. earners. We've got more, more voices out there, more experts out there that weighed in on it. One of my favorites is Fox News' Jesse Waters. He pulled back a little bit and he just looked at the landscape of money, taxpayer money. Here's Jesse breaking all this down for us, as only Jesse Waters can. Success doesn't come cheap in America. You have to earn everything you get, usually. And the harder you work, the bigger your success. If you sacrifice enough, you might even see your name on the side of a building. But not everybody can be Trump. Some people just don't have the tools to be successful. They need all the help they can get. And then you owe somebody something. Biden found that out the hard way. After the far left backed his campaign, Old Joe is in their pocket, and today, Biden paid him back. My campaign for president, I made a commitment. We will forgive $10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. Joe just cut a $300 billion check to his base. So liberal grad students making six figures just got paid off. But Joe lied and said these are working class people. Both of these targeted actions are for families who need it the most. Working and middle-class people hit especially hard during the pandemic. Uh, we read the fine print. And a family who graduated from Harvard Law, making a quarter million dollars a year, gets bailed out by Biden. Biden's bribing Harvard Law grads with Joe the Plumber's money. Because more than half of the student loan debts owned by people with graduate degrees. You know, the people that spent their 20s in school, racking up diplomas in gender studies, you know, like these people. I'm not saying don't cancel the people who missed their payments debt. Definitely do. But cancel everyone else's too, because we're all struggling. Jack goes for every millennial out there. If you've ever been in debt, you know it creates an exquisite level of emotional anguish. And only a sadist would take pleasure in watching someone go through that. Emotional anguish. 
This is who Biden's bribing with your money. You saved and paid off your debt or you didn't even take a loan out at all and you went to work. You get nothing because people with PhDs are the real victims. So will Biden apologize? I will never apologize for helping Americans working, working Americans middle class, especially not to the same folks who voted for a $2 trillion tax cut. When Trump cut taxes, everybody that paid taxes got a tax cut. It was the same cut across the board, even. He didn't cut taxes just for white males in swing states before elections. And that's your money anyway. That's on your income. It's no one else's debt. Why should I have to pay for my neighbor's kid's grad school tuition anyway? Is the next president just going to start paying off people's mortgages who vote for him? Pay off people's car loans or people's credit card debts? Biden can't just cut checks to his favorite voters before an election. And what about inflation? About $50 billion a year will start coming back into the, the Treasury because of resumption of debt. Independent experts agree that these actions taken together will provide real benefits for families without meaningful effect on inflation. All right, you ready? So the Inflation Reduction Act <laughs> he just passed was $740 billion. And this is $300 billion. So Biden just spent a trillion dollars in August. Biden spent a trillion dollars in August and inflation's at a 40-year high. And he's telling us this isn't going to cause any inflation? Okay. And Biden doesn't even have the authority to do this, does he? I mean, I thought Congress had the power of the purse. Right, Nancy? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. So the president's just breaking the law, bribing voters, and Congress doesn't care. Where's Joe getting the money from? Is he just going to steal Nancy's purse and cut checks? Pelosi impeached Trump over a phone call. She said it was an obstruction of Congress and an abuse of power. How is Joe raiding the Treasury behind Congress's back and buying votes before an election? Not an abuse of power. Not an obstruction of Congress. Congress doesn't care. The media doesn't care. The journalists are probably getting their loans wiped anyway. But the American people care. What about responsible parents who saved to send their kids to college and are now getting totally screwed? Both of these targeted actions are for families who need it the most. Working and middle class people hit especially hard during the pandemic. American parents are very, very angry about this. This is a war on the working class. Workers with high school diplomas shouldn't be paying off loans for grad students. Biden's like the reverse Robin Hood. He's robbing the poor to pay the rich. And he's doing it right in front of our faces. You're going to be paying for this. This loan cancellation will cost the average taxpayer over two grand a year. And these liberal colleges are just going to jack up tuition now. Same thing happened with electric cars. Remember, the second the White House announced $8,000 rebates, Ford raised the price of an electric car $8,000. It's going to cost me a half a mil just to send Jesse Jr. to college. I'm going to have to be working three shows to pay for that. Does anybody even understand what hard work means anymore? 
because of student loan debt, there are many people who don't move out of their mama's basement, who can't save up money to buy a home, uh, who don't start small businesses, who don't start a family. You relieve the debt burden some for those people, and we have more economic activity. In other words, canceling student loan debt is good for the people whose debt is canceled, but it is also good for our economy and the rest of America. Oh, it's great. Wait a second, Warren. I thought the Biden economy was historic. If this economy is so good, we're not in a recession. Why are people even living in their basements of their parents' house? Why can't they achieve the American dream? We created a lazy, overeducated culture, saddled in debt and begging for bailouts. What did you think was going to happen? It's only going to get worse. You think 10 grand is where it stops? It's only just getting started. Uh, don't get me wrong. Having student debt is a big, big cloud of doom that hangs over your head. And we're doing it. We in America do that for our kids. Sometimes our kids do it on their own, do it without mom or dad being there. Maybe mom and dad aren't even part of their picture again. And it ostensibly is to get them an education and then get them into the workforce where they can not only pay back what they borrowed, but they can make more money, which means our economy grows. That's the concept. But what the Biden administration is doing, or let me just rephrase that, what they want to do. What do you mean, Dan? It's an executive order. Well, you heard what Nancy Pelosi said constitutionally. Now, she said that back in 2021, not thinking about Joe Biden needing to do this in 2022 to serve, to save her majority spot in the U.S. House of Representatives because it looks like it's toast right now and they can't have this done. So they'll say anything for the moment. Whatever applies today that's best for their party, that's what they're going to support and talk about. But in 2021, she made it very clear. No president has the authority to forgive student debt. A president does have the authority to delay it or manipulate it some but does not have the constitutional authority to do that, to spend taxpayer money. That has to come through the United States Congress. So when I say it hasn't really happened yet, he's talking about it, he said he issued this executive order. Believe me, it will be in a federal court in a matter of days. You'll hear about it, and it won't be just one lawsuit. It will be a bunch, and one of those will get escalated. So it goes all the way up very quickly to the United States Supreme Court. And I promise you, I am almost positive this is going to be shot down. If it doesn't happen and it is implemented and Joe does get this debt forgiven, this is going to destroy the Democrat Party. Think about the people that get zero benefit out of this. I'm not talking about people that are living in tents on the streets of Los Angeles. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about people like me, middle-class Americans, people like some of you who you pay your bills. You went to college, and if you borrowed money, you paid that or your parents paid that. And it was something that was an investment in the future, an investment in the future, and it's gone. 
It's gone. You don't have that now. You paid it as an investment into your future. But here's Joe Biden, and he's giving that money to people that are filthy rich that they probably shouldn't have gone to college because they weren't qualified, but that's the thing you do when you got a little money. That's what you do, right? Is you send your kids to the most prestigious college or university that you can come up with or think about. This entire thing makes no sense. So those people that did the right thing, they're not going to get anything out of this. I don't care what you heard Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren say, it doesn't just pay these people's debts off. It helps all of us because it's going to grow the economy. Horse hockey, there's no way this grows the economy. Actually, we've been told now for months that Bidenflation is going to cost every American family an additional, it started at $2,000 a year, it went to $3,000, $4,000, now $5,000, and now we're told, as you just heard moments ago, this, if it's implemented, when it's implemented, it's going to raise the cost of just living, just living another $2,000 a month. $2,000 a month. Think about that. There's no such thing as canceling debt. It's all about spending money, other people's money. And then think about those people that decided, I don't, I'm not qualified to go to college, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to community college for two years and I'm going to get a welder's license. And you make $100,000 a year when you come out right off the bat. What about those people? Their debt's not being paid. They paid their way. Somebody is going to pay somebody else's way. The person paying the bill didn't get the benefit of what they're paying. There's more to this. You sit tight. Back after this at TNN Live. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom. Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom. A river runs through the bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? And this. And what about this? Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm. Chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? 
Did the little piggy cry wee 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 all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. So much more about spending other people's money. Boy, I wish I could do that. I could just reach into your pocket when I wanted something. And just do it basically saying, hey, I need it. You have it. I don't. So you got to give it to me. That's not what we live in. We live in a free market system, a capitalistic system where everybody has the right to pursue their own ideals, their their own uh, goals and objectives. Everybody has the right. You have that given to you and promised to you by the United States Constitution. But it doesn't guarantee that everybody will be successful. So, with that being, there is a an entire mental and emotional atmosphere that's been created, especially during the Biden administration, that, I got to be honest with you, it's scaring me a little bit. Maybe not a little bit, it's scaring me a lot. It seems to me like our government is growing and growing and growing and is taking more power from the people and making it their own and they're using it in ways that was never intended by our forefathers in the Constitution. You and I can't do anything about that with one exception. That's the ballot box. And I don't care what anybody says, what we saw happen in 2020 was the government making it very obvious they were going to impact the election system. And don't say that there was not corruption in the 2020 election. We've even got more today proof that there was corruption. And then when some of that comes out, everybody says, oh, but there wasn't enough that could have changed the results of the election. How do we know that? I mean, it it boils down to this. If you're a voter, if you're an American, when somebody else cast or puts in the ballot box an illegal ballot that negates your ballot. So you have a corrupt one. That means it does away with one that is legitimate. That's not the way the United States and the U.S. Constitution is structured. One vote for one person, but that's changing. That attitude that somehow is being made okay with millions of people Cheating is okay if it is going to make everything, the final results, go your way. That's not how we live as Americans. In the studio with us right now is a good friend, a senator, Louisiana Senator John Milkovich. John is an attorney. He's got a long career, very successful in politics and in business. John, thank you for being here today. Oh, gosh, it's my privilege, Dan. You've got a lot of experience in dealing with a lot of different people. You and I have talked offline, of course, about this this attitude that seems to be permeating our country. What do you think's going on there? Uh, you have addressed these issues brilliantly, comprehensively. I'm amazed 
every time I look at your website and listen to your analysis that the depth of your research and and you get it you get the big picture and you've said all of these things before um, we're facing multiple attacks in order to sustain this thing in America which we call freedom the republic that our founding God and our founding fathers gave us one attack is the size of the federal government it's gotten too huge too massive folks when we're over 29 trillion dollars in debt that is a, a, a staggering burden on us, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. It's going to take us a miracle to get out of this financial abyss. And it's not just the deficit. When the federal government becomes an army of bureaucrats, as my good friend Bob Warren likes to say, it's not just government of the people or for the people. It's government at the people. These bureaucrats are making decisions. They're not elected. They're passing multiple laws for every law passed by Congress. They're coming at us. The obvious examples, of course, the IRS and the FBI are two that stand out. So the government is, attack, is an attack. The size of our federal deficit is an attack. Election fraud, you're absolutely right, Dan Newman. doesn't matter what the mainstream media is. The fact of the matter is there was multiple attacks on election integrity, and it had to do with the, the ballot harvesting as well as potential uh, fraud by software manipulation by uh, election voting machine companies. Is it a coincidence that Dominion was used in every one of the six battleground states where millions of Americans believe that our elections were stolen? The, the work of Colonel Phil Waldron stating that a communist Chinese company controls Dominion. Dominion software codes and passwords are in Shenzhen, China. So what we've got on Dominion is they were used in the battle, battleground states. They are controlled by a communist Chinese dominated company and uh, the Dominion codes are in China. Before you go on on that, that topic, no coincidence either that election night at 10 o'clock in those six battleground states, suddenly the election agencies said, we've got problems, we got to shut down, we'll get back at this in the morning. Every one of them in each of those states, Donald Trump had a big margin when that shutdown occurred at 10 o'clock on election night. And then when they opened back up the next morning, Wednesday morning, lo and behold, Joe Biden had a lead in every one of those states. Uh, Dan Newman, you do your work, your, your homework, and... That doesn't make, for us to address, raise that concern doesn't make us conspiracy theorists. I think anyone that thinks that those facts don't create suspicion, I think they are, those are coincidence worshipers, is yeah. what I call them. Yeah. So absolutely. So yeah, the size of government, our debt, election fraud, uh, our law enforcement, Dan, you, we've talked about this. We, uh, I guess, are saying that Donald Trump didn't give the right pieces of paper to the federal government, though he, uh, from what I can stand, he let them understand he let them have everything that they wanted, but they're going to try to weaponize or target or criminalize him for that. I think we need to come out with digital missing posters, posters that say missing FBI, FBI, uh, FBI investigations. So we're going to go ahead and send the FBI crashing into Donald Trump's uh, residents to see if he has some papers that he tried to give the federal government and they didn't take. But by the way, the federal government, the FBI, they've dropped the ball on Hillary's mass destruction of 30,000 emails, the destruction of millions of emails by the Bush-Cheney administration in the wake of 9-11, the fact that 
when the 9-11 investigation was going on, there was FBI agents or federal operatives that were basically trying to discourage, if not intimidate, witnesses. The Clinton Cash Foundation, uh, I think we could come up with a list of about 500 missing FBI investigations. The Clintons transferring uranium ore to Russian interests in return for cash to the Clinton Cash Foundation. The murder of Vince Foster, the murder of Seth Rich, the murder of so many people that had incriminating information on the Clintons. Uh, some people say that number's over 50. Giving weapons to Mexican drug... Where are they? We need to get our posters out on the missing FBI investigations. Look, they, the FBI hasn't told the truth about John Kennedy's murder. They haven't told the truth about Bobby Kennedy's murder. I've had the opportunity to study that. There's, look, there's plenty of experts that know more about all those assassinations than I do. But after years of researching the relevant assassination literature they haven't they've lied about john kennedy's murder lied about bobby kennedy's murder they've lied about martin luther king's murder they haven't the federal government was involved in the waco massacre a bunch of a bunch of men women and children ended up dead and what would they got they two uh two shotguns or were two shorts um 9-11 i mean come on this is uh, let, let's let's talk about the conspiracy theorist in chief. I'm calling him Donald Trump. The day of 9/11, not a week later, not a month later. That day, he is on videotape saying those planes could not uh, fly into those buildings and cause them to collapse. Does he have any expertise? Well, he was raised. He and his and his raised his father before him building skyscrapers in New yeah, York. So yeah. he knew. So law enforcement, I'm going on to... Uh, no, no, you're fine. Facts don't matter to those people in politics. I think that's a big thing that needs to be considered in all these conversations. When you start drawing an opinion, you need to have all the facts that you can pull together to find a consensus to draw from. And when somebody out there that's very powerful, and when I say very powerful, of course, I'm talking about the federal government, when they quash them, when they quash him, we've all seen the video of the quote-unquote jetliner that hit the Pentagon. I've watched the video, unedited video, to see a rocket streak across at my level, six feet level, that hit the side of the Pentagon. We could sit here all day long and talk about case Facts. after case, and it all comes from one source. The United States government. I was going to say the devil, but <laughs> <laughs> well, the devil, go, the devil's got. And look, Dan Newman, I know you well enough. You know, and appreciate and respect that we have thousands of federal agents that are men and women of integrity, Christians, patriots, heroes, but they're not calling the shots. The top two floors, the top two floors of the Department of Justice, in my opinion not only could be eliminated, Fire them. should be eliminated. That's where all the bureaucrats are, where all of the politicized decisions are made. And the people that you and I know, you and I personally know one guy that uh, former FBI field office director in Shreveport, Louisiana, who has nothing to do with this mess. I was with him two weeks ago and we spent two hours digging into this. He's as upset as, as we are wow. about what he sees happening in his entity, which formerly, by the way, the FBI, was the greatest law enforcement agency on the planet. And now it's run on politics, 
not on law, not on equal justice for everybody. It's based upon whatever political partisan ideal is acceptable to the ruling party in the nation today. Let's segue from this. We could sit here and talk about these particular things all day long. And at the end of it all, we're going to have a question mark about every one of them. The overarching thing that is forcing this, it used to be, I thought, allowing it. But there is pressure to move the nation to some place for some particular cause. And you and I haven't discussed what I'm just bringing up now specifically. But I think when I hear what your thoughts are, we're going to agree on this. But there is something. We can no longer say Come on. all of this is just happening. This is just circumstantial stuff. Your thoughts, John? Well, look, you're raising the big question. And uh, I I'm, I'm really don't pretend to be overly sophisticated. And I don't have any more insight, you know, what, like, I, like I like to say, than... Joe the bartender at Ramada Inn. By the way, I wish Congress was filled with Joes and Josephines that were bartenders at Ramada Inn if they had common sense and believed in God. There is an agenda to, many believe, and I think it makes sense, to create a one-world government. And what's standing in the way? A free America. An America that supports institution, supports freedom and institutions of democracy democratic government across the globe and look we're not we're not perfect i'm one i have questions not an expert i have questions about what the cia has done in foreign governments and foreign elections and question whether they've always been acting in the in the cause of justice but the reality is is that america has been a force for freedom in the world it's been a very powerful anti-communist force (laughs) here we go again there's there's writers and analysts that say that the Chinese people got sold out in the 40s by people in Washington. Uh, and I'm, from what I've read, the John Birch Society, I mean, that's their, that's where their primary anthem or one of them is that we sold out the Chinese when they had a chance to crush communism in that country. But let's get America out of the way. Let's, let's neutralize or destroy America as a force for freedom, faith, and family. And then the global plantation can occur then the population control agenda, the pharmaceutical police state, the antichrist philosophy and religion can can uh, take over with with little or no opposition. Um, I, th- I think I feel like that may be the plan. Look, I'm not a re- people have been saying that for decades. So before somebody calls me a conspiracy theorist, you've got about 40 or 50 years of literature to catch up on because people have been saying that from all over the world. One world world, one world government is being discussed now by politicians, both here domestically and abroad, and they're not even trying to hide it any longer. There you go. They would like to have one economy, one ruling government, per se, and I don't think it's going to be a person, a dictator. I think it's going to be, or what they want it to be, is a big group of autocrats that collectively have control of everything and everybody. Yep. And you and I both know we're that, just that inches away from that happening. And all it will take is for the United States government to reverse its course of 260 years. Come on. And it, it will happen because it's already happened. Somebody has got 
got it to the point where in Europe and Southeast Asia, it's just you got to push the switch. Everything else is in place for when that switch is flipped. I mean, come on now. We didn't think that this president and his administration in 18 months could destroy the greatest economy in world history. I mean, we could list all of the achievements, tax breaks for everybody, more people employed than ever before, more African-Americans employed than ever before, more women employed than ever before. Unemployment rate, we didn't have any people that weren't working that wanted to work. And even though they screamed and hollered when the Trump tax cuts were uh, passed and signed into law, this is going to bankrupt the nation. The government won't have money. More money came in through tax revenue to the federal government every year after the first year of the Trump administration. All of that has been reversed so quickly. And I'm bringing all that up. Everybody knows that all happened, but I'm bringing it up to point to this one thing. It wouldn't take much. It wouldn't take much at all. Joe Biden and his administration is proving that. That slippery slope that every nation that's gone from a democratic political structure and economic structure to a totalitarian structure, it didn't take for very long for Venezuela to get there. And we think we live with this thing since we were kids. This is the greatest nation on earth. It can't be destroyed. It can be. Now, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want you to think about this during the break. What do we Americans, John and Judy American, what do we need to do to right the ship? Because it's going to take we the people. That, when we come back with Louisiana Senator John Milkovich at TNN Live. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months of participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. 
This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G Nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. I don't know about you, but I'm glad tomorrow's Friday and the weekend is right behind it. We need a break. We need a break from all this stuff. Every time we turn anything on, our televisions, uh, you get on your laptop and start looking at news, everything we hear is bad. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you were in 2017, 18, and 19, and 20. But everywhere I was in the United States of America, everybody was doing better. Everybody, top to bottom, was doing better. And look at the difference in just 18 months. John Milkovich with us, Louisiana senator, attorney, is one of those guys that's been in the trenches for righteousness and goodness and the rule of law for his entire career. And uh, I will say this, John, you're somebody that, you're a truth-sayer. You don't try to couch anything to make people feel good about it when it's important. You've watched all of this happen. You've been in courtrooms. You've been in bad situations. You've been in political situations, crafting laws, fighting on the floor of the legislature to get the right things done. So you've got a perspective that people like me don't have. I'm a business guy. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, I think. I'm 69. How old are you? 65. Okay, so... Four years on, Come on. but you've walked the when different- I when I was in eighth grade, you were a senior in high school. That's that's. <laughs> you've got a quick mind. I would have had to. I would have had to count on my fingers and toes. But anyway, you've got a perspective that I don't have because you know different things, folks. In America, that's not supposed to make somebody better or worse than anybody else. Just because they may know something you don't know doesn't mean you're stupid or doesn't mean they're smarter than you. We walk different paths. But collectively, what this nation has always been able to do through its leaders is find consensus in governing. And that's what our forefathers set this thing up and structured it to be. They purposely didn't want one political party to run everything for the very things and the very reasons we're seeing it happen now. In fact, Thomas Jefferson made this statement late in his life. He said, If I had to be a member of a political party to go to heaven, I'd never see the pearly gates. Oh, my goodness. That's Thomas Jefferson saying that. And I'm not saying political parties are the reason all of this stuff is happening, but they're pulling triggers on both sides to try to find ways to control the people. Controlling the people and seizing the decision rights of the people is what we're seeing play out here. Where, in your opinion, are we going? Oh, my goodness. By the way, thank you very, very much for your kind words, which are undeserved. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, and I think maybe one of the best things I've got going for me, I've been fighting these fights. I've been stomped enough times that I've realized the end of my capabilities, and I've gone to Christ and asked Him for help. In fact, I was on my knees this morning just talking to God about just that. I do want to say this very quickly. I know this is a personal note. You say the weekend comes, we can all take a breather. Ladies and gentlemen, I know Dan Newman personally, been known him for over a quarter of a century. He ain't taking a break this weekend. He's gonna he'll probably do about forty hours of research <laughs> this 
weekend. Um, but you're getting on to something very important, and that is there's a trend, an agenda, a battle plan to create a one-world government. You do not have to be a conspiracy theorist to, to believe that. And honestly, 20 years, 15 years ago, when I was reading some of the literature and I started getting concerns about a one-world government, you know, we I might have been thought of as a conspiracy theorist. Now, you can't go into a, a, a grocery store, a restaurant, or a gym without half the people or three-fourths of the people thinking, yeah, they're trying to take us over. People are getting it. So that's the good news. I think you've raised another good point. So there, there is an agenda that people, by the way, the scholars have been writing about for decades. They have, yes. And people do get it now. A lot, so many people get it. Um, Donald Trump was showing a monkey wrench. Is he perfect? I disagree with him on vaxes, personally. Um, he's, he's made mistakes in his personal life. Haven't we all? Uh, myself included. Um, but the reason I believe, and I think, I think there's probably about 180 million Americans that believe the same thing. The reason he's been targeted is he was thrown a monkey wrench in their plan, in their game. And look, you have to look no further than his inaugural address when he specifically called out former American presidents for selling out the American people. He made... I believe that may have been a historical president, I, and I have to admit I have not read all of the inaugural addresses, but this is what he said on on his inauguration. I'll be brief with this. That's okay. I, I think it's maybe relevant. Today's ceremony has very special meaning because today we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. We are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. He said on Election Day, he called out the former presidents. He's called out the Obamas. He's called out the Clintons. He's called out uh, the Bushes. And I think something real positive happened last week. I do want to say this. Or was it the week before? Dick Cheney. Now, does anybody have any doubt now where Dick Cheney? I mean, there <laughs> there have been some hippies and maybe some hardcore right-wingers that thought, you know, Dick Cheney might have been, may have had some uh, improper motives uh, behind the events that culminated in 9-11. But if anyone had any mistake about whether Cheney was a part of the establishment after he came out publicly and basically said that Donald Trump was making it up when the election was stolen, I felt in an instant, in a 30-second ad, millions of Americans realized that Dick Cheney is not on our side. He's on the Clinton-Obama-Clinton, excuse me, the Clinton-Obama-Bush team. What we have watched happen in the last 18 months is the confirmation of the stark difference between Democrats and Republicans. I used to say this, and people would look at me funny when I said it. If you're a Republican, if you're a conservative, not even a Republican, just think conservatively, Mm -hmm. and you speak to a leftist or liberal or whatever they call themselves, you know who I'm talking about, you speak to them, and you share your political ideology with them, they look at you like you're crazy. They share theirs with you, 
and you as a conservative, most conservatives will say, you know what, I disagree and here's how I disagree. Here's what I think is right. You can go ahead and believe what you want to. I'm going to believe what I want to and we'll make it happen. This is the melting pot of the world. We can all get along. But they don't stop there. They label you. Every conservative has a target on your back and you've got one small one on your forehead. They hate you. They want you to be destroyed and they don't want anything that you espouse or believe to be spread among other people. That's happening almost every day. There used to be groups on both sides of the aisle that were right in the middle. Joe Biden was supposed to be the champion of the moderates, those Democrats that are right in the middle. That's the way he campaigned. That's the way he campaigned in every one of his senatorial races. When he was the senator from Delaware for a century or two, I don't know, I don't remember how long it was, 30 years, a long time. But when they get elected, they don't have to any longer abide by their promises. They start doing what is politically expedient in every case for them and for those who pony up with those millions of dollars of campaign ads. Um, It's all headed in a direction. I think the New World Order is probably a big part of it. I really do. And I think now more and more Americans understand that what Donald Trump was doing and what he alleged in his 2015 and 16 um, campaigns I think they're seeing there's there's more factual stuff in it than they first thought it was because what he promised he was going to do, he did it. That's the first president in my life that could say everything he promised when he was campaigning. He either did when he was elected or the only reason he couldn't do it was he could not get the, the support from those lawmakers that he had to get to make those things happen. No other president has done that. Now, this president, he's doing also everything he promised to do in his campaign. Many people on the other side of the aisle, on the conservative side, they said he'll never get that stuff done and just forgot about it. They voted for Donald Trump just because they were conservatives. They didn't give Joe Biden a thought. I mean, we hardly ever saw him in the campaign. If If you saw him do a video, it was shot in the fake Oval Office in the basement of his of his Delaware home, no, there's no way he could win that election. And bam, he wins it. Then all of a sudden, he starts being what he told us he was going to be. And now Americans are going nuts. We've got to flip the switch. Yeah. How, oh how, can we right the ship, in your opinion? What can we do? Oh, boy. And listen, you, okay, and I need to answer the question first. We've got to attack education. We have to attack education. Um, well-respected polls are showing that about 49%, some polls a little more, of our young people believe that socialism is a good thing. Yeah. So that in 10, 20, 30 years of a leftist takeover of American education, uh, our values, the values of the next generation have been radically transformed. And of course, I'm saying 30 years. The onslaught started a long time ago. Uh, some historians contend and document that I think it was John Dewey, who's considered the father of 
public education in America, went and observed education practices in Soviet Russia to learn things. And, of course, we've had Prussian uh, kind of uh, regimented ideas about education being indoctrination, where as opposed to America, where children were taught values and encouraged to think critically and independently. So I think we've got to take education back. Louisiana, is, is are we the most conservative state in, in America? We may be the most conservative state in America. The fact of the matter is the people of Louisiana do not have control of our educational system. The Bessie Board are uh, elected positions, and except for I think three appointed by the governor, eight elected, and out of the eight elected Bessie Board members, I believe it's six or seven, it might even be eight at this point, were elected by out of state, big you know, uh, PACs controlling yeah, yeah. millions of dollars that have no concern whatsoever for our values, for Christianity, for patriotism. And of course that's happened all over America. So I think education, I think, I think you're absolutely right. We've seen an explosion of independent media. Uh, I know that your show, You've had audiences in, in the millions uh, in the past. I think the explosion of the independent media, we have got a fight in the courts for the right of independent, uh, non-mainstream media to be able to speak because the fact of the matter is that's where people are, are going to the truth. We need to, keep, we, we need to keep speaking the truth. I think we need to strike out in every way possible against um, what, what you called is the attempt to replace, you hit on a really important point, and I'm going to recognize it and let you let you run with it because I'm going in circles here. But the we we there's a, a crowd, there's a group in America that thinks it's wrong for us to have a free marketplace of ideas, wrong for us to have a democracy, wrong for us to have a republic, wrong for us to have dialogue, disagreement, and debate. They want a a, a totally controlled totalitarian dictated uh, framework of ideas and no one with any contrary ideas can be heard and you are speaking out against that attempted philosophic monopoly unfortunately doesn't have anything to do with god it's antichrist it's anti-freedom anti-free market well just to give you an example when i started this show i i refused to do it for two years denny duran my older brother he's he's the pastor to both you and me um, he's known me my entire life and he encouraged me because I've got a background in broadcasting on the S air. Since you were about 14 years old? Yeah. Uh, on the air and also owning a radio station and managing, he, um, he felt like I've got a message, but I'm a better communicator than getting my message to other people and them doing it. Absolutely. But I put it off for a period of time. Here's the reason why I put it off. The conventional ways to do what we do at Truth News Network is basically this. Um, you, you create a, a, a show. You get a little studio somewhere. You don't even have to have a studio. Have a desk with a, a computer and access to the Internet. Plug in a microphone. Load your show coming through that computer on your desk to YouTube. And you can... You can do the show. Anybody can do the show. Everybody does YouTube stuff here. But what have we seen happen, especially in the campaign for the 2020 election and since? We saw YouTube, which by the way isn't YouTube, it's Google. Yeah. 
Google is the farthest left media outlet on the planet, they decided to step in and shut down conservative after conservative after conservative. No explanation. And legally, of course, they're privately owned, so they could do that. Same thing with written stuff. I didn't want to get into this and begin and get it growing where more and more people were listening right now and there are conversations to take this to a video platform. But I wanted to be in total control of it so that a heavy-handed government couldn't walk in here one day and say, you can't do that. Exactly right. And so that's the reason I did this. But most of the big ones that have the largest microphone and the largest audience, they are right in the middle of these platforms that are controlled by people that these broadcasters and these writers have no control over their content. It's being presented by other people. Fox News being the biggest, the biggest conservative outlet on the planet now. And it's owned by some Brits, a family of Brits that are mostly moderate. Daddy, he leans far to the right. The two sons that are now running Fox News are both far leftist. It would not take very much at all for them to just flip the switch. And all of a sudden, we don't see a Sean Hannity anymore. We don't see Laura anymore. We don't see the Fox and Family Morning Show that's become a a mainstay for millions of American conservative families that do in the morning. They could flip that switch overnight. Nobody thought Google could do it on YouTube, but it happened today. Um, There's a very conservative guy. I think he's fairly conservative. That is the number one YouTuber today, Joe Rogan. 12 million people every day watch his show on YouTube. If he really decided to step out there with a conservative political message, what do you think Google would do? They're going to look at it economically, but he would be an attack to what Google stands for and what our government stands for today. I could see them not doing it themselves, but the DOJ stepping in, the FBI coming in, and finding some way to try to legitimately shut him down, take his voice away, like they have to thousands of others that weren't as big as Joe. They're looking, Google is right now, as Joe, they're looking at him with dollar signs. His show is making $20 million a month. They can't let that stand if he goes conservative. Isn't it horrible that we're sitting here today, John, and we're talking about this kind of stuff happening, and it actually is already happening in some circumstances, and they're not they're not going to quit. They're not going to slow down. They're not going to stop. They're going to continue to grow, stepping out using the power that they have to more and more etch away at the those that have other opinions that are speaking out, saying things that they don't agree with, that are direct shots at what they want to do. I would love for anybody that has a um, some evidence and wants to make a statement that would counter what you and I have been talking about with some evidence, I would love for you to come on the show and sit here and just convince me with evidence, not opinion, what we're talking about, John Milkovich and I today. It's factually happening in the nation and anybody can go document it. 
You've heard of the Rothschild family. Rothschild family, yes. wealthiest family on the planet. Nobody will disagree with that. I've had two conversations with Baron de Rothschild, who is the guy in the Rothschild family. They own partly control or 100% control of the banks. Central banks. Central banks of nations, over 100 of them around the earth. I've had two conversations with nicest guy. I mean, he's got a heavy French accent. And both of those, by the way, those conversations, he called me to talk to me, which, you know, I feel I really felt like that was a big deal. But he's just a, a regular guy. But he represents one of the most powerful families on the globe. And they're all in. They would love to control the bank that is the bank of the earth. And they've got a great foundation in place that they put there over decades. Centuries. Facilitated yeah. happening with the flip of a switch. Those are things that we know about. What about the things that we don't know about? Yeah. I wanna I wanna end this thing by you and I having a quick conversation about how do we as Americans, how do we psychologically and emotionally, how do we handle this, knowing this is going on behind the scenes. 24-7, we have young kids, many of us. We have grandkids. I've got twin granddaughters that turned 17 mm. on Sunday. Great girls, great athletes, great Christian girls. And I look at what's ahead of them for their next 10 years. And, Before, and, and they probably don't know what communism is. Don't have an idea. Educated. And they go to any a Christian school. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to this break, but when we come back, I want to spend this last segment talking about how we, in our opinions, how we feel the American people can handle all of this emotionally and specifically what things should we do, what things can we do. I mean, we're not politicians. You are, but everyday Americans aren't. We don't have any power. We don't have any control. Are there any things that we can do to try to make this thing at least slow down, if not get rid of it totally. John Milkovich, Louisiana Senator, in the studio with us today. We'll be back with him right after this. Sit tight at TNN Live. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. <laughs> what are you doing, Snuggle Snuggle. Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. 
Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. We're hard at it on this Thursday. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of things that we opened the show with talking about. In the middle of this, Louisiana Senator John Milkovich joined us live in the studio. John, thank you so much for being here. I know you've got a busy, busy schedule. Oh no, this is this is what's happening. You bring a lot of different thoughts and ideas, a different perspective to this. What can we as Americans do to just live through this? And when I say live, I'm not just talking about, you know, eating bread and water and just subsisting. I'm talking about having abundant life. Things that Americans, our forefathers, our parents, our grandparents pretty much had. No, everything didn't go great all the time for them. But it was a a capitalist economy. It was a representative Republican uh, Republic government where one vote for one person and those votes all put together determined the way the government was going to go. That's all pretty much changed. What are your thoughts on what we can do to just get through this? The, I have no brilliant ideas. This is, again, I'm channeling Joe the bartender at Ramada Inn. But you're like me. I mean, you've got a daughter. Yep. You've got a wife. You have a business. Um, you're a great leader in our community. Oh, you're kind. You've got a lot of responsibility. And so it for us as parents, grandparents, we got to come up with things that we can help those that look at us for answers. Yep. we got to be able to throw them something. Okay, so I'm going to say this. We need to be praying as never before. Number two, we need to have faith in God. We need to quit. And by the way, I'm preaching directly at myself. Let's just say, God, why don't you? I need to say, God, you've got this. We trust you. We commit this situation to you. We need to be better churchmen and churchwomen. People that listen to the show, many uh, millions of you don't know, Dan Newman has been in the church his entire life. He is a preacher's kid, the son of a preacher. What you may not know is he has been dedicated and committed to church, to a, a local church and to the Christian faith for over 50 years. We got to get back to our faith roots. Number two, media. We need to support the Dan Newmans. We need to support, look, Alex Jones took a hit. I'm not sure, so sure that whether, whether about that judicial proceeding, how fair it was. We need to support the independent media voices. That's where we need to go for the truth. That's where we need to go to find the, the, the products that we're going to support. That's where we need to flow our money and, and efforts. In, in elections that come up, Dan, I think it's so important that we get to know the candidates to the extent that we have local and larger races. What's happening is people say they're conservative, get a ton of special interest money, and they can walk on mom and pop candidates that really have Christ in their heart that want to make a difference but but they don't have enough money to send postcards to people's houses I've been in campaigns where the opposition was sending postcards to people's house not sometimes not only day after day sometimes they were sending more than one a day and, and that's very intimidating and formidable for normal people that want to make a difference find out who the candidates are you may be one or find one that is real and this is my litmus test did they just start going to church just start believing in god just start getting involved in the community just start helping people just start being honorable 20 seconds before they declared look at their life there's a pattern there is there a life is there a pattern of service and integrity 
and, and faith and patriotism. I think we need to start getting on the phone with our congressmen. This is a question that I have for Louisiana's congressional delegation. Have you called for the resignation of Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI, who's ignoring all these huge scandals of the last 65 years so he can focus on whether the government took all the pieces of paper out of Donald Trump's boxes that they should have? Or have you called your congressman and said, have you, and demanded that he uh, cry out, call out for Christopher Ray's resignation? Uh, I think the next and we need to have a conversation about this. I think the next crisis area in America is going to be food. I think that's the next. I think that's the next pressure point. Are we growing food in our backyards? Are we supporting local farmers? Are we buying land? Are we understanding that Bill Gates and Red China are buying up farmland in in America? Um, I, I think that. And then I think education. We need to be going to our school boards. We need to say, show me the books. Give me a copy of the books you're giving to our children and reading them. And if you don't like and go back in public and confront our school board members and say, you either need to fight for the integrity of our children's education or you need to find another way to serve. Um. And you need to do what I did. As a 16-year-old son, when my family exploded, uh, my mother had a nervous breakdown, had a bad physical problem, went into the hospital for a long time. I didn't have any place to live. I moved into a friend's garage apartment and I began to ask these questions. God, what do you want me to do mm. to push through this? That's good. And he began to open door after door after door. That's how I ended up in North Louisiana, married a godly North Louisiana young girl at the time, 47 years ago, three kids, six grandchildren, all kinds of good things have happened in the midst of bad things that happen. But we've pushed together through it, being together, yep. thinking together, yep. not diminishing each other's issues or our goals or objectives, but holding each other up and encouraging those around us. Instead of screaming and hollering, maybe not even literally, yep. but in your mind at those around you, let me just make a suggestion. If you want to be a good person, everyday good person, I'm not talking about a pastor, an evangelist. I'm not talking about a politician. I'm talking about you. When you go to work and you get on the elevator in your building, there's always, or most always, there's somebody else on there. Talk to them. Engage with them. Yep. Ask them, how's it going? What's going on in your life? And if they tell you, man, it's tough, I've got this or I've got that, just say, hey, look, put your hand on their shoulder. Can I just pray for you just for a second? It, I do this. I have, uh, my company's in a building that has an elevator. So when I'm there, when this happens, everybody in the building knows me, but there are businesses with people that don't know me coming in and out. And every time, every time I have asked somebody, can I pray with them? I've never been told no, mm. not one time. That may seem like a trivial little thing, but that whole engagement with others has been diminished. And through education, as a matter of fact, our kids, our grandchildren are being taught, it's all about you. It's all about you. You can be this or you can do this, but if you're going to be successful, you've got to create a scenario in which you're better than all those other people. So you don't engage with them. You just look down your noses at them. We got to get away from that. Oh gosh, that's powerful. Division is the worst thing that can happen in families, in businesses, 
and social organization and in nations, which we're in. That's where we are right now. Uh, well, see, that's modeling what Jesus did. Amen. He was building infrastructure, building relationships. Yeah. That's how you build the kingdom. Senator John Milkovich, good friend of mine, thank you for coming by today. You thank bring a perspective that very few others have that run in my circle. And I thank you for what you feel and think. And you are welcome here on this show anytime and every time. It's a great privilege, Dan. You do it. Keep up the great work. Will. John Milkovich, Senator of Louisiana, great man of God, a father, and uh, he's got a great daughter, a Harvard-educated great daughter, and, of course, a wife that's in business with him, running a, uh, a law firm. That can't be fun. <laughs> Mom and pop law firm. But you're doing the job. Hey, folks, thank you for being here for this segment. We're going to take the final segment in the show. We're going to start there in just a moment. We're going to go back and uh, we're going to address some of the stuff regarding what this student loan relief means for you and what the, the latest economic news that came out this morning that confirms the economy is in the tank. That's just ahead. Sit tight. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details.
You know, just when you think it's um, it's okay, everything's okay, we find out that, well, maybe, maybe everything is not okay. Maybe it's a little worse than we thought it was. And when those thoughts come to us, we got to find a way to deal with it. There, there are a lot of people, they're pretty much a consensus that when that happens in most people, they either go one way or the other. One way is, OMG, the sky is falling. <laughs> it's the end of the world. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? That's way number one. Number two is, you know what? This is a challenge. I hate it. There may be some hurt that goes along with it, some angst, some difficulties and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to find a way through it. I'm going to find a way through it. And when I do that on the other side of it, I'm going to feel a whole lot better about myself because I've, I've achieved, I've accomplished. And what Senator Milkovich and I were talking about basically is this. It's either up to us for every decision or we give that responsibility and that right to someone else. And there's a very hungry group of people out there, a very large group, a very powerful group, that they want to be those people that step in and make sure you understand that they know a whole lot. And they know a whole lot more than you do. And they're going to make everything okay for you. So all you have to do is give them the power to make decisions on your behalf and just trust them that they're going to make those decisions. And when they do, it's going to be a whole lot better for you than the way it is right now. That's what's happening. And it's very stealthily being done. Very few people are out there screaming and hollering, you're stupid. You don't understand. You don't know. You don't have the ability to make those kind of choices and decisions. You don't have the resources. The federal government, your government, the people that you put in D.C., they know what's necessary to make your life better. They know what's wrong with your life. Why don't you just give them control? Just go ahead and give them control and everything's going to be okay. Wow. One final thought on this school debt thing, and it's going to grow and grow and grow. We're going to find out every day more little bits that are really in this thing. And as I said at the top of the show, I promise you, this is going to end up at the Supreme Court. This is not going to be just let happen. You know why? Not so much about this student loan thing itself, but think about what is happening and what has been going on in this administration. You understand, in one month, one month, Joe Biden has seen his policies regarding spending be okay with the American people that amount to $1 trillion. $1 trillion, which this government has absolute control of how they spend it, where they spend it, and who's authorized to spend it. And it all comes at the pen of Joe Biden. This whole process that we've seen roll out in the last month alone it speaks to exactly where many like us here have been telling you and others for several years 
when they were pointing to Donald Trump and accusing him of wanting to be a dictator, wanting to be an authoritarian, wanting to have total control over the people of the United States in total disregard of the rule of law, of the representative republic's structure for legislation, for crafting bills, passing laws. Donald Trump, he despised that process and he wanted it. He wanted it. We've got to fight to get rid of him so he can't get it. And then what happens? Joe Biden yesterday spent $300 billion, which economists are saying this morning, it's not $300 billion. When it's all over, it's going to be twice that, $600 billion to do something that is purely to buy votes in the November race He honestly thinks that by doing this, everybody that is eligible to get loan forgiveness, student loan forgiveness, they're going to be obligated to him and the Democrat Party forever because of what they did. That's the thought that is driving the majority of people that are running the government today. What is that? It is the epitome of authoritarianism. Nancy Pelosi put it best. You heard her say it early in the show. Back in 2021, she said, no president has the right to spend money on whatever they want to do. They don't have that right. Constitutionally, that is the sole right of the United States Congress. Congress didn't see this. This is by executive order, by his pen. He put the deal together He just shoved it down the throats of every American. Every American. I just cannot get around this. My kids, my educated kids, nobody paid for them to go to college. But their families. Their families struggled. Families had to do without in some areas. But it was worth it because our kids went. They got a good education. All three of my children have amazing families and amazing jobs, and they're doing great jobs using the education that they received, and we paid for. I don't want my government to give me anything. I don't want anything from the government. I don't want the government to pay me back. I don't want the government to pay anybody for anything that those people have not worked for. Anything worth having is worth working for. Did you get that? You want a college degree? Work your butt off to get it. It'll mean something to you. Anything worth having is worth working for. Biden announced his plans, which many say or illegal plans to transfer that loan debt from existing borrowers to you and me. And that's just the latest abuse of executive power by Joe Biden. Here's what he said yesterday. In keeping with my campaign promise, my administration is announcing a plan to give working and middle-class families breathing room as they prepare to resume federal student loan payments in January next year. As described in the graphics accompanying that tweet, the administration plans to forgive 
that's a crazy word, forgive. They're going to cancel it. Up to $20,000 for individuals who attended college on Pell Grants, 10000 for those who didn't get that grant. So while this new loan forgiveness plan only applies to individuals making less than one hundred twenty-five grand a year, a cap, which means little, considering plenty of college graduates make less than six figures at graduation but have a wealthy trajectory, the administration also plans to extend the current pause on student loan repayments through December of this year. So despite their best attempts to spin this new garbage policy initiative, and that's all it is, they're calling it forgiving student loans. Here's the reality. There is no such thing. They can't forgive loans. They can't take an eraser and just erase them off the balance sheet. When leftists use terms like canceling or forgiving debt, what they really mean is taking money from American taxpayers, the majority of whom chose not to go to college, and using it to subsidize the minority of individuals that opted to pursue higher education. Not only is this plan going to bail out just a small fragment of the American populace that chose to take on the responsibility of those loans, it will do so for those who are better financially equipped to repay them. The Federalist Western correspondent Tristan Justice Wow, that's the name of a group. Well, in 2020, that group, they created a report and released it by the left-wing Brookings Institution and found that the highest income 40% of households, what's that number? Incomes above 74000 owe almost 60% of the outstanding education debt and make almost three-quarters of the payments, while those with the lowest income 40% of households owns just under 20% of the outstanding debt and make only 10% of the payments. Meanwhile, students who took the loans are far better equipped to pay them off than many other taxpayers. A typical worker with a bachelor's degree is likely to earn nearly a million dollars more in their lifetime career than the same person with just a high school diploma. So what is this all about? Why is Joe doing it? It's strictly to buy votes. It's strictly to a attempt on his part to look good in the eyes of his fellow Democrats because his policies suck across the board. Everything he's done is totalitarian in nature. Look at the, look at the Department of Justice. Look at the FBI. Look at the leaders of the cabinet Look at those people. Look what they're doing. Look what they're pushing for. Top down. Total control. Tax the American people. Get more money from the American people. And plan on spending every dime of it. Every dime of it. John Milkovich, when he was here, he talked about Ford Motor Company. And the electric car thing. You remember that? It came out. Biden announced a couple of weeks ago, hey, You buy an electric car, you're going to get a $3,500 tax credit for doing it. That day, Ford raised their price on their electric vehicles more than enough 
to cover that discount that the government's going to get them. So Ford Motor Company in the middle of this. Ford is cutting 3,000 jobs globally. With that move coming and in the middle of long-running speculation that Ford was looking to reduce headcount as it seeks to address its uncompetitive cost structure as inflation continues to soar. Now, let me ask you this. When you hear a story like this, you hear this news and information coming out, Ford's going to cut 3,000 jobs. Do you stop right there or do you dig in and say, why in the world would Ford be cutting 3,000 jobs? Ford stated part of the reason they're cutting these 3,000 jobs is based on inflation, Bidenflation. Kathy Hargett, who is a manager of corporate communications at Ford, in an email statement said that the company plans to reduce 2,000 employee positions, 1,000 agency contract positions. Most of the cuts are going to happen in the U.S., just a few in Canada and India. This comes as Ford is restructured into three units now. One, focused on electric vehicles. And as prices of business inputs like raw materials to build these cars have soared amid a broader inflationary environment, it's just not a good time for Ford Motor Company, and they got to cut cost. Here we go. No decision, not one, by this government, this federal government, or any government in any other country, none of them exist in a vacuum. None of them impact just the person that we're talking about that's in the epicenter of this. There are ripples in everybody's lives, and it reach out, and it affects, affects everybody that feels those ripples. Tax cuts, tax increases, student loan forgiveness, supply change issues that are let just stand, not being dealt with, not being eliminated. All of those things, there's a ripple effect and it impacts all of us. This government, this president doesn't get that. So let's switch gears for a minute. Let's talk about medical things. You're going to love this. The first case of a person being simultaneously infected with coronavirus, HIV, and monkeypox has been reported after a man returned from a five-day holiday in Spain and he sought initial treatment for a sore throat. Think about that. COVID, HIV, and monkeypox. This patient is an Italian male. He developed a series of symptoms, including fatigue, fever, sore throat. Nine days after returning from his vacation, when he engaged in unprotected sex. According to researchers from the University of Catania in Italy, this guy's 36 years old. He's not been identified. Also showed a modest enlargement of the liver and spleen and painful enlargement of his lymph nodes. The man was vaccinated for COVID with two doses of Pfizer's mRNA vaccine. Scientists stated in the Journal of Infection, adding that on admission, the patient reported being treated for syphilis back in 2019. 
The researchers stated this is the only reported case of monkeypox, COVID, and HIV co-infection. Added there's still not enough evidence supporting the conclusion this combination may aggravate the patient's condition. There are 632.4 million people living with the three viruses individually. Now you got this one guy's got them all. What the heck are we getting into? Who is responsible for all of this stuff? Where, oh, where did HIV come from? Where did COVID come from? Where did monkeypox come from? For that matter, where did polio come from? All of the diseases of the world, where do they come from? We can't answer it. We don't know where it began. All we know is we've got to deal with it here and find ways to make it as least costly to the patients, the family members of these people. And we got to find a way to get them cured. And oh, by the way, I doubt very seriously that cure is going to be found by infecting bats with it and trying to get those uh, bats to bear those illnesses, those diseases. And of course, I'm talking about that lab in Wuhan, China, where apparently COVID-19 came from, and it came from gain-of-function research in bats. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And speaking of coronavirus, Democrats on the House Select Subcommittee, they released a report yesterday saying the Trump administration, this one gets me, the Trump administration pressured health officials to approve unproven COVID-19 treatments and rush authorization of vaccines. They're really saying this. This report alleges that Donald Trump and his top advisors pushed FDA Commissioner Stefan Hahn to grant emergency use authorization to unproven treatments like hydroxychloroquine and convalescent plasma. Hahn alleges that top top Trump officials pushed the FDA to rush authorization of the first vaccine so it would be available before the 2020 election. Now, let me just say this. The FDA did not get pushed to grant emergency use authorization to those quote-unquote unproven treatments like hydroxychloroquine and convalescent plasma. Those were already approved by the FDA previously. Hydroxychloroquine's been around for a century, more than a century. And it's being being used in every stinking hospital in the nation. What we're seeing now is pure politicization. This is the way the Democrat Party moves. You watched those White House briefings at the beginning of all this stuff. Donald Trump, President Trump, was pushed to the side. Dr. Anthony Fauci is the one that told us everything about the development of vaccinations, who was doing what, what it was going to take, how long it was, and he pushed, he pushed for the rapid granting by the FDA of emergency use authorization to those unproven treatments, but those unproven treatments weren't hydroxychloroquine and convalescent plasma. They were 
unproven treatments of Moderna's vaccine for COVID, Pfizer's vaccine for COVID, Johnson & Johnson vaccines for COVID. All Donald Trump did was listen to the medical, the medical, the person on the planet that knew more about infectious diseases, where they came from, what they could do, how they function, how they operate, and how to stop them. Let's get this Moderna vaccine to the marketplace. And we find out later, old Anthony has a financial interest in Moderna. Hahn claimed that Trump White House official Peter Navarro personally pressured him to reauthorize hydroxychloroquine for emergency use, despite the insufficient data supporting its efficacy. There is no insufficient data. There were hundreds of thousands of laboratory-tested examples of hydroxychloroquine being effective worldwide. The FDA, Anthony Fauci, poopod, wouldn't even bring to the open marketplace the results of those European tests with hydroxychloroquine that cured hundreds of thousands of people, stopped the transmission of COVID-19 to other people, and many people didn't die that would have died without hydroxychloroquine and these convalescent plasma treatments. They're going after this, trying to undo history again and make it all be Donald Trump's fault. Why would they do that? Trying to change the narrative. Got an election coming up. Got to do something to save the Democrat Party. Unfortunately, there's not a lot they can do. Now, what about our supply chain issues? You're going to love this. On the East Coast yesterday, a massive container ship pulled into the port of Baltimore. What was it carrying? Sheets of plywood, aluminum rods, radioactive material. And where did those come from? They're all sourced from the fields, the forest, and the factories in Russia. Joe Biden promised to inflict pain and deal a crushing blow on Vladimir Putin using trade restrictions on commodities like vodka, diamonds, gasoline, in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine six months ago now. But hundreds of other types of unsanctioned goods that are worth billions of dollars, including those found on the ship bound for Baltimore from St. Petersburg, Russia, they continue to flow into U.S. ports. The Associated Press found more than 3,600 shipments of wood, of metals, of rubber, and other goods have arrived at U.S. ports from Russia since it launched missiles and airstrikes into its neighbor in February. That's a big drop from the same period in 2021 when about 6,000 shipments arrived. But it still adds up to more than a billion dollars worth of commerce every month for Russia. In reality, nobody involved actually expected trade to drag to a halt after the invasion. 
Banning imports of certain items would likely do more harm to those sectors in the U.S. than it would in Russia. When we impose sanctions, it could disrupt global trade. So our job is to think about which sanctions deliver the most impact while also allowing global trade to work. That came from Ambassador Jim O'Brien, who heads the State Department's Office of Sanction Coordination. That illustrates the Democrat ideology. The reason we impose the kind of sanctions we impose is we got to be careful. We can't go tough on countries like Russia. Why? Because it could cause a global trade disruption, and we can't do that. What about the United States? What about the U.S. economy? What about the building industry? What about all of the sectors of our economy that are upside down because you're letting these 3,600 ships come to American ports, just block them, stop the transportation that is necessary to get all of the goods and trades from around the world that we want here, that we really need here, that are absolutely critical for us to get. And we need to get them from someplace other than Russia. I promise you, Joe Biden is obligated to Vladimir Putin in some way. I'm certain that Vladimir Zelensky has blackmail material on Joe Biden. We've given Ukraine more money than we have any other country in history. And this, this money that we're passing out, it's not going through Congress. Joe Biden's doing it. In the middle of all of that, the IRS has stepped up to really make a big, big difference enforcing the rule of law. They announced yesterday it's going to waive penalties levied against American taxpayers who failed to file their 2019 and 2020 returns in a timely manner. Of course, that was during COVID. The agency will also issue over $1.2 billion in refunds or credits to taxpayers who received those fees. According to the IRS, roughly 1.6 million of us, including individuals and businesses, will automatically receive the billions in refund or credits by the end of September. Spread across 1.6 million taxpayers evenly, that amounts to an average refund of 750 ducks, 50 bucks per taxpayer. Big Brother's taking care of us. Now, a story came out And this is one of those stories I tell you. We keep our eyes on everything. And when we see or hear something that we feel like it's important, but we are unable to totally get the facts, but we need to give it to you because it's important for you to know about. And this one, I got to be honest with you, the substance of this is over my head. What are you talking about, Dan? The uber wealthy have withdrawn 41% of the physical gold bullion from the kilo vaults of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And they did that in one day. 41% of the physical gold. Now that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? 
How much is that? 174,612 troy ounces of pure gold. So what's most interesting about this is the withdrawal was not typical 400-ounce gold bars. That's what the investment companies, that's what they like to, to buy and put on deposit somewhere, especially at Chicago's Mercantile Exchange. It was kilos, billions of dollars worth. Sovereigns don't generally buy or hold kilos of gold. So this is likely the smaller but still very wealthy that are pulling the gold out of their accounts. What's now taking place that the uber-wealthy and the connected individuals have just all of a sudden decided to take physical possession of gold? 41%. What is coming that the wealthy want to physically have their gold rather than trust somebody else to hold it? Withdrawals of this do not happen very often. In fact, this has never happened. Clearly, the very wealthy think, or maybe they know, some type of calamity is coming, and they want their gold in their own hands before whatever is coming hits. To put this in perspective, the COMEX 50-day average rate of gold withdrawal just hit a new high of 131,193. Think about what this means for a moment. On average, 131,293 uh, ounces of gold that's about $233 million worth, have been withdrawn from the COMEX every day. $233 million every day for the past 50 days. Apparently, folks, there's something going on. This doesn't just happen. These are the kind of things that you look at and you say, you know what? For that to happen, that's a lot of gold. That's a lot of gold value. There are a lot of people in the United States that are very connected, and I'm not one of them. I need to find out for myself what the heck is going on. Why don't you do this? You do what we're doing here. We started yesterday, reaching out, getting some answers, trying to get some explanations for this. And when you get it, call us or email me at dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org and give me a heads up on what you find out. We work collectively here together. I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank Louisiana Senator John Milkovich for being here. Great interview. If you missed it, you can always go back and pick up our shows at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, many, many others. Any place you get your podcast, TNN Live. We are back tomorrow morning. We're going to start your weekend right, 9 to 11 a.m. We do it every weekday, Monday through Friday. See you tomorrow. Have a great Thursday, folks. Baby, I'm going to want you. Baby, I'm going to need you. You're the only one I care enough to hurt about. Maybe I'm a crazy but I just can't live without your loving and affection Giving me direction Like a guiding light to help me through my darkest hour 
Lately I'm a praying That you'll always be a staying beside me Used to be my life was just emotions passing by Baby, I'ma want you Baby, I'ma need you 